In the Lab, a Texans podcast that takes a different look at things. Drew Doherty and John Harris have their lab coats and goggles on and the Bunsen burners burning. Here's Drew. In the lab time right now, Drew Doherty, John Harris. Good to see you, my friend. Good to be with you, my friend. How are you? Yeah. Doing okay, man. Wish Sunday would have gone a little bit better, but there were some good things from Sunday and uh, obviously some things that uh, have got to be worked on very quickly. Yes, today on the podcast, we're going to cover those good things and we're going to do the cream of the croppers. Plus, we're going to get ready for Jacksonville. going to have under the radar guy. And then we're going to wrap things up with number 80 because the Hall of Fame announced today, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, that there's a whole bunch of new candidates. And our guy, Andre, is once again among those people. But let's start with what we saw on Sunday. Lots of stuff that didn't go right defensively. You get behind in a hole, 14 zip, and you play well after that, but not well enough. It's funny, my two boys and my daughter came with my wife to the game, and they they got stuck in traffic. And yeah. basically, they got in, and it was 14 nothing. and as their butts were hitting the seats, Nico Collins was pulling in that touchdown from C.J. Stroud. And they said that night at dinner, they're like, Texans look pretty good. I mean, they saw they saw was like a 20 to 17 game. And I was like, yeah, technically you're right, but that's not how the things work. So get behind early, but let's talk about your cream of the crop guy. The cream of the crop. Thank you, Macho Man. Who is your one cream of the crop player from Sunday? The cream of the crop. I mean, if you I think both of us, if we had to pick one, you can pick just one. I think it'd be very easy to pick CJ Stroud. Sure. Playing through a playing through a shoulder uh, situation, mm-hmm. um, I think he was absolutely fantastic. But I'll I'll leave you for C.J. Stroud, or okay. I can take C.J. Stroud and you could take the other guy um, because I think there were two guys that really stood out. I think you could add another two to that mix. I think there were four. It's kind of like the twenty twenty four NFL draft, Drew. I I said all along, I felt like there were four players in in the twenty twenty four NFL draft that were elite. Texas had but two of them, Stroud and Anderson. The other two were Jalen Carter and Bryce Young. Okay. So I kind of feel was, like there were four. That was, four... by the way, that was the 23. 23, sorry. 24. Sorry, you got me really intrigued. I was like, oh, who does Johnny have as his top four for 24? But that's not um, I've got, at number one, I've got Caleb Williams. At number USC two, quarterback, I have Marvin Harrison Jr., wide receiver, Ohio State. Seriously, number yeah. three, I have Drake May, quarterback, uh, North Carolina. And at number four, um, I don't uh, – my recent one, this this would be if I re-edited it, uh, Olu Fashionu from Penn State, the left tackle. Those would okay. be my – so I'm already getting deep in the woods. So we're getting – and we're getting tangential here, but where's my guy, Michael Penix, the lefty QB up in Washington rank? Andre, where? Uh, I think I've got him in the – like in the top 40 right now, but the way he's been playing, I probably he'll, – he'll be bumping up. Here's the thing. There are a lot of quarterbacks that are bumping up. Mm-hmm. Like way up, and that's going to make this draft very, very interesting. Depending on who comes out, I mean, I've done put the film on bro on my YouTube page at JH Football Takeover for Quinn Ewers, Caleb Williams, Drake May, Joe Milton, Jaden Daniels. I just did one this week for LSU, and I mean, they they were all fantastic uh, in their particular way. So you can go check all that out. But that that's to look ahead. The Texans have their quarterback now. Yeah, they have their guy now. I, I think that's one of the things that was cemented. You and I have talked about this, and you know. You know I've been talking about C.J. Stroud because we're always talking about, it's Bryce Young or bust, and there were a lot of people that felt that way uh, when we got to the draft. And I said, look, 
you know, especially, you know, with that whole Colts, you know, ending of last year, I said, look, CJ Stroud is right there. And uh, he's shown us a lot of things. And I thought Sunday, he showed a lot of toughness. He showed leadership. He showed a lot of things we were looking for, but his three pass catchers, you could put in that group too, man. They were, yeah. they were absolutely fantastic. But I, you know, I'll give you one play to me that really was one of those when I saw it, I was like, really? Like, yeah, you know, that dog head turn, you know, when a dog hears something kind sure. of weird. There's a third down play and the snap was low from Jarrett Patterson to CJ Stroud. In fact, the ball ended up in the ground. So CJ wasn't able to corral it because it was low. So he started to his drop and the, and the ball hits his hands right down near the ground. And then it sits on the ground for a second. So CJ has got to collect himself, reaches down, picks up the ball and without missing a beat, throws a dart on a slant rod to Robert Woods for first down. Mm -hmm. And I just remember in Mark and Andre's ears, I said something like, are you kidding me? Like, wow. Like that's man. You talk about quick release and just everything you want to see in the court. I mean, taking a play that was just going to be a, a, a dud and he turns it into a first down I'm like wow um so he's shown even probably beyond where i thought he would be at this point and i was one of the highest people on him um coming into this draft i think he's really shown that he is that guy and i think what he's ready for now is to be that guy to walk in the huddle and it's not not that he's a timid rookie, but you're not a rookie anymore. You are the leader of that offense. Right. It goes through you. What you say goes no matter what. And I feel like even through after just two games, I feel like that's where we are with CJ. Well, the book on him as a Texan has been, okay, he'll do something in practice or he'll do something in a preseason game or he'll do something now in a game and he'll correct what needs to be corrected the next time around. So what did right. he, what did he need to do better? after week one needed to help get the offense operating a little bit more smoothly yes. and listen rookie uh signal caller rookie offensive coordinator rookie center lots of guys lots of things on the road lots of stuff working against him it could have gone better sure but it's not like the end of the world it wasn't a disaster in that regard it wasn't good but it wasn't a disaster what did he do he fixed that now they got to get in the end zone a little bit more often and he'll be the first to tell you that he's he wasn't easy on himself in the post game. He was right. saying, Hey, I, he was taking the leadership, taking the onus. Like I should have done more, but goodness gracious, his stuff gets corrected the next time out. And yep. he looked pretty darn good this time out. So what gets better in week three, what gets better from week three to week four and so on and so forth. It's really fascinating and really fun to think about. Like what's he, he, he just keeps getting better each game and, and improving on things. And I love your idea about those three pass did you so you go with cj and that's a that's a fine choice for i'll go with cj i'll leave okay, everybody yeah. else on the table how about that i love it i'm gonna naturally go with the i'll go with all three of those guys because right. what did we hear over and over and over again and i thought justifiably so but what do we hear all off season long after the draft well it's going to be a lot of damian pierce and a lot of dalton schultz and maybe if you get something from some of these receivers every once in a while that'll be cool well damian pierce and the, the run game have not been what they'd like to be and right. Dalton Schultz he's caught some passes but CJ's been feeding Robert Woods consistently CJ's been feeding Nico Collins consistently he targeted Tank Dell four times last week Tank Dell had the most targets with 10 on Sunday he had seven receptions that tied Collins for most catches on the team Collins though did some damage after the catch and, and Tank did to a degree but think about it seven catches for Nico Collins his last catch of the day was a nine-yarder. 
His shortest catch of the day was an eight-yard touchdown catch, which that that throw-in catch was a beauty. After that, it was like 32, 28, 28, 25, and 20. Yep. And then he also had like, what, a 28-yarder pulled off the board because of an illegal right. formation. He was doing some of it himself on short stuff, meaning Nico Collins was you know, doing a nice catch and run and playing with violence, might I add. Yes. But a lot of it was deep stuff, too, from C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud, too. Uh, Robert Woods going deep. I mean, CJ had all 10 of the most explosive plays. There were 16 yards or, or longer. They were all passes. And yep. seven of them, I think, were 20 yards or more because you mix in one to Woods and so, so on and so forth. You know, there's been times over the last three, four years where the 10 expl most explosive plays for the Texans, like four or five of them are runs. Right. And the most explosive pass is like a 20-yarder. I mean, he was doing it over and over and over. And I know that's not going to happen necessarily every week. But goodness gracious, this is exciting. Those three pass catchers and what they were able to do and what they've been showing they've been able to do through two games, that's got me really, really excited because Dalton Schultz is going to get his. He, Dalton Schultz is going to come along and be, you know, the focal point one week or another or more. But what that little three-headed monster can do so far, I like. I like a lot. And you, I started seeing some stuff that I hadn't seen before from the passing game. You know, the Robert Woods uh, – near touchdown mm -hmm. was a tremendous concept where tank went all the way in orbit motion. All the eyes go to tank slant to Nico and Robert just runs the, the wheel up the sideline. He's wide open. And we talked to Robert about that on Monday and he, and we said, you know, did you realize how close you were to, to make it at a touchdown? Did you know you were out of bounds? He said, yeah, I knew I was close, but you know, just the fact that, you know, Robert Woods didn't even get knocked over. I mean, you know, if he just lands a little bit more to the left, that's another that's another touchdown. Yeah. So there were so many different Tank things. Tank had one come off doing. the board too. And and keep in mind that was an offensive line without Titus Howard, without Juice Scruggs, without Scott Quesenberry, without uh, Laramie Tunsil. All guys you you thought were going to be starters this year, not in the lineup. Yeah. And yeah, CJ took some sacks. Uh, he got hit a few times, which I would like to start minimizing those hits. And I think you mentioned it. What are, what more does he have to do? I, think I was going to say, I bet you those those numbers go down in large part to him, in large part to the line. But you know, I think he's going to find a way to correct those things too. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think that's going to be the next. That's the next point of emphasis, yeah. and that is you scan, bang, bang, bang. Not there. Get out of dodge or throw it away. Mm -hmm. One or the other. Um, you know, NFL teams are good. They they see things on film and go, "Ooh, okay, didn't do this well. Let's 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 write this down." In the last couple of weeks, the Texans have had some some blitzes with free runners on the quarterback, and some of that is because there aren't enough guys. You know, they bring six, you got five. And there have been times where uh, you thought they were bringing four off one end, and so you slid your protection, and so they end up dropping a couple there and bringing guys up the other end. And somebody comes clean. That, I think, comes with not having all the experience on the line and guys not playing together all the time, plus having a rookie quarterback. There's some stuff yeah. he's seeing for the first time. For as good as he has been, he's still seeing that stuff. But for all those hits and everything he's taken, no interceptions, knock on wood. I, there's almost a part of me that hopes he throws one just to kind of get that off the schneid, if you will. Um, but he's not, throw, he's not even throwing passes you look at it and go, that's close to an interception. So if he can continue to take those strides, there's no telling what this offense can be because once you get 
some of those starters back on the O-line. Once you figure out what you want your configuration to be week in and week out. And see that, to me, Drew, that's been kind of the, the theme. There's been a lot of themes the last few years, but that to me has been one of them. Has been the offensive line changes. Every week there's a new five. And a lot of that's injuries. Some of that is, it was that very little of it has been due to, to poor play. It's just been... This guy's been hurt. That guy's been hurt. Laramie missed a lot of 2021. Titus missed a portion of 2021. Then they're back in 2022, but then some of the interior guys were kind of in and out of the lineup last year. So it you just want to get set on a five. Yeah. And once you get that five and that five can start working with CJ, you know, then those guys start to understand where CJ sets up in the pocket. And that's important for Titus and Laramie. You know, he sets up a little deeper. Does he set up a little shallower? You know, that can determine what kind of set you you have out on the outside. So you got to figure all those things out. So everybody's kind of doing it rote memory. And once you get to the rote memory stage, look out, look yeah. out. This could be really fun. And, you know, it's kind of nice to see some of the, the national folks start saying, hey, you know, when the Texans start getting those O-line, like the things we just said, some of the national people are going, hey, that might be a um, that might be a fun offense to watch. Yeah, I think it very well could be. Everybody stays healthy on the outside, but then you get guys healthy on the inside. Giddy up. Okay. Let's chit-chat about Jacksonville taking on the Jaguars. They're now 1-1. One and one. They held the Chiefs to only 17 points last week. Yeah. They only scored nine of their own, which was kind of disappointing for them. So, with all that in mind, with what the Jaguars have on the table, you're Texan. You're under-the-radar Texan. You got to look out for on Sunday. Who's it going to be for you? Well, I think this is – you could wrap this into the most important Texan on Sunday, the one mm -hmm. I'm watching, the most focal point. It's Malik Collins. All right. Malik Collins, and you could say the defensive interior, but just Malik Collins in general, that guy can disrupt the game completely and totally. Um, but that was not what happened on Sunday from anybody up front. And the way this Jacksonville Jaguar team can throw it, you need some pressure at Trevor Lawrence's feet. The way it can run it, you've got to be good in your fits, but to be good in your fits, the guys up front can't be knocked off the ball. They can't not get off double teams, can't not get off blocks. There's so many things that they've got to do. So I'm going to say Malik Collins, he's faced this Jacksonville team, you know, since he's been here in 2021. So this will be the fifth time. And I know it's been a little different from 21 to 22, but there's going to be a lot of similarities from last year to this year. That defensive line has got to take its play up to the where it was against Baltimore and put them in passing situations. And now you're not facing Trevor. You're not facing um, Lamar Jackson. You're facing Trevor Lawrence. Now Trevor can move. So you can't just be willy nilly going after a guy, mm -hmm. but it's not Lamar um, and it's a guy you've seen before. And so you've got to frustrate him and make his life as miserable as possible. And to me, that's got to, got to start with Malik Collins. I like it. Malik is uh Malik is bound to do some big things. Hey, yep. you know, Texans won in Jacksonville last year. Jags got the game right. here. That was the first Jacksonville win against the Texans since their last home win against the Texans, which was in 2017. Remember way, way back in 2010, middle of the season, you're tied up, closing moments of the ball game. You're at Jacksonville. They throw a Hail Mary. Our guy Glover Quinn swats it down as he'd been coached, but it just happened to be swatted right into the arms of Michael Thomas. He gets in the end zone. That's a touchdown. Jaguars win. That one pushed them all time, I think, to a game better than the Texans in the all-time series. Since then, so we're talking middle of 2010. They've won five games against the Texans. They swept yep. in 13, they swept in 17, and they won yep. last year the final game. Texans have won every other single game. They have dominated them. They're up, I think, 15, 20 games now in the series. 
That's really remarkable. Okay. One of the guys who was responsible for a lot of those wins was Andre Johnson. You know it. I know it. Most of you listening to this know it. But, John, for the love of whoever, in five seconds or more, excuse me, in five seconds or less, why does Andre Johnson belong in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Because he was in a period of dominance, not playing with a Peyton Manning and not taking anything with the quarterbacks. But he didn't play with a Peyton Manning or an Eli Manning or any of those kind of quarterbacks, Tom Brady. He did it all for a franchise, and everybody knew he was getting a football, and they still couldn't stop him. Yep. I tried to do it as short as I could. I tried. That was great. That works. You know, you talk to anybody that played against him and played with him, certainly, and they all they scoff when you ask the question. Of course he belongs in the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So yep. let's hope this happens. It the, the vote will be Super Bowl weekend, so we got a long ways. It's going to be in February. But, uh, yeah. Andre belongs. You know it. I know it. Those of you listening know it. And uh, we will talk about that a few more times in between now and then. But, John, it's always good to do In the Lab with you. And thank you for your time, my friend. Yeah, man. Good time, Drew. Thank you.